Welcome into another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. This is part three of the win and loss projections. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara, and with me as always is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And we are down to our final four teams uh, this week. It's been a long week of studying and uh, trying to get uh, these records uh, for these win and loss projections as best as we can. You know, uh, like we always say, uh, this is just doing it out of fun, having a good time with it. But how do you feel uh, currently through the first nine teams? Do you feel like uh, you should have changed things now that we're talking about it a little bit more? Or do you feel like you're staying packed on what you decided to go with? I'm pretty confident of where my nine teams were. If you, if you, if you want me to rhyme it, I feel fine with my nine. Other than the confusion I had between the two games with Maricopa where I openly admitted that I messed up. Um, no, I, I feel very confident in my picks. And now that we're coming into the final four uh, teams, we've been talking about doing this separately. So we have our own win and loss projections. And we decided that we wanted to make a little fun of it. And where it's going to be a bet between me and you, man versus man, and the loser will have to do a consequence at the end of the season. Would you like to elaborate about that now that we figured out what we decided to do? Yeah, so what we're going to do is at the end of the season, um, we're going to take a look at our projections and see who got the closest to their actual projections. And then the one who had the furthest away from it is going to be deemed the loser. After that, we're going to put it on a vote on our social media. And then you're going to get the opportunity to vote which of the 13 school colors will actually be our hair color. Um, The team with the most votes wins. And again, the loser has to wear the... Uh, team colors in their hair for over one week and then after that they can shave it T- to start we're gonna have to dye our hair bleach bleach blonde and then after that we're gonna have to go a whole week with either red and blue gold and black gold and blue the co- the combinations are endless and it's gonna be funny but i mean you're gonna look really nice <laughs> you're gonna look really nice with uh, blue frosted tips, I'm telling you, bro. Oh, no way, sir. I think uh, that Santa Cruz uh, red and silver might look uh, pretty nice, especially uh, out there selling some cars. I think you might get a couple more sales with that type of hairstyle. I don't know. I mean, it, I don't think I'm going to lose, but if I do have to rock a red and silver, I think I would look like a really sun-kissed tin man. <laughs> but I'll be all right. But as you said... We're leaving it into the viewers' hands, so get out there, vote. It it could be your favorite school; it doesn't even matter because at the end of the day, we're gonna one of us, hopefully you, is gonna be wearing one of our Pinal Thirteen schools school colors. So you know it's gonna be a blast. I'm looking forward to it, and you know just get out there and uh, help us uh, bring some awareness to this because. I know once word gets out and especially, you know, with our good following of uh, high school students, uh, they're going to get out there and they're going to comment away as to what color we're going to be wearing. But, you know, let's dive into uh, the first of our final four teams. We're going to be starting with Santan Foothills. Uh, So a little bit about Santan Foothills is uh, they finished one and nine last season under uh, head coach uh, Mike Carlin. Uh, This will be his second season as the Santan uh, Foothills uh, coach, but it's actually uh, their fifth coach in five years. So it's, you know, pretty hard uh, to 
know the identity of Santan Foothills. We've always uh, preached that a lot. So what do you have to uh, talk about uh, for them? All right. So my research on Santan Foothills has, has led me here. Um, in their COVID year, they went one and five and they were in the three A South region and they went 0 and three in that region. Um, their only wins that year came against Eastmark, surprisingly, where they beat them 35 to 15. Their losses that year came from teams like Arizona College Prep, who they dropped a game 41 to 20, or excuse me, 40 to 21. ALA Gilbert North, where they dropped that game 48 to 12. Thatcher, they lost to them 39 to 13. And Florence, 42 to 12. Again, uh, you go back into last year, like you said, they were 1 and 9. And in the 3A Central region, they went 0 and 4. And we've talked about this many times before, probably ad nauseum. Um, their only win came against Vista Grande, where they beat them 55 to 18. They lost to other teams like Borgade Catholic, Florence, Eastmark, and of course, Coolidge. And this year, it's going to be pretty tough for them again as they continue to play in the 3A Central region. Yeah, Santan Foothills is a team that was pretty uh, senior and junior dominant. Uh, I do know that um, both quarterbacks that were under center are now gone uh, due to graduation. Uh, but they are returning uh, Emilio Soto, uh, who led the team not only in rushing, but receiving yards as well. So so he's going to be a big impact uh, for them this season. And uh, hopefully uh, he'll be able to elevate the uh, level of play f- for uh, the uh, Sabercats uh, this season. Because like I said, a team that is very hard to know which way they're going to go as far as will they stay packed in this, you know, lower tier of uh, teams or are they going to finally take that next step forward and, you know, improve their record by a couple uh, a couple of wins. And, you know, so I think that looking at their schedules early on, they have a very good chance to be about 500, uh, give or take. But we'll dive right into uh, the first game. Uh, they'll be taking on Paula Verde. And so uh, we've talked about Palo Verde uh, before, uh, didn't have a season last year and uh, finished, uh, I believe, one and two the uh, year before that uh, due to uh, a shortened season uh, with COVID. But uh, it's a game that I feel they could possibly win. You know, I don't know how much that Vista Grande game inspired them. You know, they had that game uh, midway through last season. So it's a very good chance for the Sabercats to start off on the right foot and pick up a a win against a team who hasn't played that much in the last two years. No, brother, you took the words right out of my mouth. They are going to start off on the right foot. And I do believe that they're going to take down Paula Verde in the first game of the season for them. Um, Like you said, Paula Verde didn't play last year. It's going to be really tough for them to come out against a team that has the struggles that um, Santan Foothills has. And that seems like the perfect game for them to take advantage of in order to start the season, on, like you said, on the right foot. But at the same time, when you go and look at their schedule for their next week, it doesn't get that easy. No, it definitely doesn't. They're going to be taking on uh, the Benson Bobcats week two. Benson uh, finished 10-3 and last year, ultimately losing in the semifinals to Arizona Lutheran 20-7. to So a very good uh, playoff team. But now they're making the jump up to 3-8. Do you think that Benson will favor a win over Santana Foothills? I do. I think that the, the jump into 3-A is going to be uh, not necessarily like time perfectly, but it's going to be they're going to be kind of eased into it, especially playing a team like Santan Foothills. Um, so it won't be too hard for them, and they'll just continue their winning ways and unfortunately just steamroll the Sabercats. 
And this will be the uh, first time that both teams play each other. So it's going to be a good one. But like you said, uh, I have the uh, edge going to Benson. And I think that they might even win this one pretty decisively, especially, you know, if Santan Foothills is going to struggle to put up points. But the only thing about Benson, I will say, is that they did lose a lot of pieces last year. And also, they let go of uh, their longtime coach. So it's going to be interesting to see what type of team Benson is coming into this year. We know what new coaches bring. If you don't have that established trust yet, then it's going to be hard to uh, continue that winning ways we do know of Benson. So like I said, it's going to be very interesting, but I have Benson uh, taking that one pretty easily. Now, moving into week three, uh, the Sabercats will be hosting uh, Santan Charter. So Santan Charter uh, finished five and five last year. It's going to be a surprisingly a first matchup between both teams. I thought they definitely played in the past, but according to Max Preps, they haven't yet. How do you see this one favoring out? Because like I said, Santan Charter is a team that I would say is a middle of the pack team. Uh, Their record shows it. And so how do you feel that the Sabercats are going to be against uh, Santan Charter? This I feel is going to be like uh, like the age old story of uh, the tale of two cities. But it's actually the same city is just Santan Foothills and then Santan Charter. Um, to me, I kind of feel like Santan Charter based off of the teams that they played in the past and, and not even going off the record last year. But if you look at their game when they had their first game against um, Santa Cruz, that was a rough and tumble game. There was actually a photo of uh, then wide receiver Steve Calvin getting his helmet ripped off that was in Pinal Central. That was everywhere. And it, and, and it was pretty notable that it was a rough and tumble game. And that type of tenacity and grit from the from the Roadrunners is going to be the reason why they take the bite out of the Sabercats. No, I definitely agree. Uh, I think Santan Charter uh, does have a, a little bit more of that grit that you're talking about. And I do see them. I believe it might be a little bit closer, uh, maybe to a touchdown game. But uh, I still will give the edge to uh, Santan Charter. They did beat a lot of the teams that they needed to. Uh, Globe, Miami, um, just to name a few. And I know nobody probably wants to hear this, but right now Santan Foothills is that type of team. It's a team that Santan Charter should come in and handle no problem. But we'll, we'll see uh, what the Sabercats uh, do against uh, the Roadrunners that week. So moving into week four, it's going to be a county game as they're going to be traveling to Apache Junction. Uh, we, we talked about this one on Monday. Uh, both feel that Apache Junction is going to take the victory. Uh, good for a school, you know, and I think Santan Foothills might bite off a little bit more than they can chew during this game. And I don't see it being that close. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I think we talked about it maybe twice now. There's not a single chance that the Sabercats are able to withhold the prospectors by any means so moving into week five they're going to be taking on east mark in the firebirds uh we know that they finished uh seven and three last year were the 3a central uh champions um i think it's another game where i'm going to give the edge to the away team and i have east mark taking this one and just to uh give everybody a reminder east mark did beat santan last year 50 to 13 and i could see that being the score uh this upcoming game as well what do you have it i also have the game going to the firebirds i don't think that Santan Foothills will be prepared will be prepared for Eastmark by that time I think by what is it week four or week five for Eastmark by then 
they'll have everything fine-tuned and ready to go to not necessarily embarrass them, but showcase their skills enough to, to, to show how determined they are to get back into the hunt. And moving on from there, uh, they do play ALA Ironwood, who uh, beat them 31-30 to 30 last year. Uh, but uh, Santan Foothills does own the all-time uh, record at 2-1 uh, and one against uh, ALA Ironwood. But another game that we have uh, spoken about in the past, uh, we're both going to take ALA Ironwood uh, to win that one. And we, we say uh, it could be a close game, uh, give or take, but we're going to uh, give the edge, of course, to ALA Ironwood. Yeah, no doubt that the Warriors pulled that one out. And, you know, it's it, it's going to be a tough stretch. I mean, once you hit that Apache Junction game, it doesn't get any easier for them at oh. all, uh, as they're going to be uh, taking on uh, Coolidge, uh, which you have uh, Coolidge going undefeated. So we already know what your decision lies. And of course, I'm going to side with you on that one and uh, pick Coolidge to uh, knock off Santan Foothills. And, Bear down. and so, you know, let, uh, let's keep it going uh, in week eight. They're going to be uh, taking on Shadow Mountain. And so this is actually where I think Santan Foothills can finally get out of that losing streak that we have them going through and possibly pick up their second win. Uh, Shadow Mountain is a team that's went 0-10 last year, so not very good. Uh, could be a winnable game uh, for Santan Foothills if they uh, do come to play, and this will be the first matchup for both schools. So how, how are you going to take this one? This one was tough because, like you said, Shadow Mountain went uh, you know, winless last year, so trying to gauge you know that off of how I feel like that will project into this year was really tough. But... In the end, I sided with Shadow Mountain. I think that they will upset the Sabercats and kind of put them in a state of not necessarily not knowing their identity because, you know, we've already established that, you know, that a team that's, you know, had this revolving door of coaches, it's kind of hard to determine, you know, but the only thing we have them as is a, is a team that loses. And that's unfortunate, but I think that that's going to change soon. But this, this season isn't going to be the season where that happens. Well, I know you're going to probably piss off a lot of people who are going to hear that and, you know, but it's only a confidence booster for them because I'm going to actually give them a little bit of confidence. I'm going to take them to win this game. And uh, let, let me give you a score from last year from one of Shadow Mountain's games. They lost to Vista Grande 70 to 24. And as we've stated before, Vista Grande's uh, one of their biggest losses last year was the Santan Foothills, who they lost to 55-18. to 18. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to get the Sabercats their second win on the season, and I think they could carry that momentum into the following week as well as they're going to take on the new school ALA Anthem South. And as I stated on Monday, I have ALA Anthem South going 0-10, so you already know who I'm going to pick on this game. I'm going with the Sabercats. Would you agree? No, if you go back to the very first episode, I said that this is going to be the game that uh, ALA Anthem South takes, or one of the games that they're going to take. And I'm I'm sorry, Sabercats, but you're gonna you're gonna get it taken from you from a new school. And if you prove me wrong, you just got to vote to get me with that uh, with that hair color of your school. Oh yeah, I think you're going to be leading uh, either Maricopa or Santan Foothills and uh, according to Jordan Johnson, I might be leading Coolidge. But but you, <laughs> but you know what I got to ask them and what I what I kind of really want is are your colors blue and black? Is it purple and gray? 
Is it gray and blue? I really don't know. So if there's any Santan football players, any Santan uh, student athletes at all that want to help me out, because it, um, in the end, I kind of want to make mock-ups of what you would look like with dyed hair and what I would look like with dyed hair. So we're going to kind of put that up there. So I, I want to know the right colors to put in, in that scheme. So help me out. Well, you know, let's not get too far off topic there. But you know what? Yes, definitely a great question uh, to ask. So help my boy out and uh, let him get his colors right because he's going to be wearing it. So it doesn't even matter. But back to uh, the matters at hand. ALA Anthem, you're taking them to win. And lastly, they will be traveling to Florence uh, to take on the Gophers. Uh, We both uh, selected the Gophers to uh, take that game. And uh, I think it's going to be done uh, pretty decisively again. Uh, Florence, like I say, uh, is a team that comes to play, you know, week in and week out. They're not no walkover. So I think they're going to take that game. And for my final season prediction uh, for the Santan Foothill Sabercats, I have them going 3-10 and 10 on the year. How about yourself? Well, unfortunately for the Sabercats on my end, I kind of have them going 1-9. and nine. And 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 then that's okay because that gives them a chance to to prove me wrong. But in for the end of my season, whether their colors are purple, I have them going out with some blues. You know, I I think even though our records are what they are for Santan Foothills, you have them staying pat uh, with the same record as they did last year. I have them improving uh, by winning a couple more games than they did last year. But I think if you see Santan Foothills have their coach return another year, you're going to just continue to see them uh, improve their records. And I really believe that. I think, like I always say, they need to build some consistency, but also they needed to build an identity, especially in the football program, which they haven't seen much in the last 10 years. Yeah, you're right. So moving on to the Santa Cruz Dust Devils, a team that finished 5-5 five and five last year, uh, missed the playoffs, by maybe a game or two, you know, they were right there at the very end. Uh, but they also uh, lost their coach at the end of the year. Uh, coach uh, Fitzgerald uh, stepped down and uh, they inserted a new head coach, uh, Tommy Cortez, who is now going back to his alma mater uh, at Santa Cruz. I've had the privilege of uh, playing with Tommy. I know him very well. He's my cousin. Uh, so, you know, great guy. I think he'll have no problem uh, getting uh, Santa Cruz back into that winning uh, tradition. Do I think it might happen this year? I think they could be around the same area, maybe improve a game or two, but it's all going to be about how well those young uh, players play on the varsity level. What, what do you think about Santa Cruz coming into this year? Coming into this season, I have a lot of optimism for them. I kind of believe that they will, like you said, do better than they did last year. This will be a year where they improve not only their record, but their morale. Because like you said on previous episodes, last year when they lost their running game, which were their two main running backs and Wyatt and Rico, when they lost them, they kind of lost all their their fire. This year, I kind of expect Coach Cortez to kind of spread that love around and kind of build their game inch by inch. Most definitely. Uh, they did lose a, a good amount of big pieces that were not only a a part of their success last year, but also a part of the state championship team that uh, they won just two years ago. So uh, definitely uh, some 
big expectations for Santa Cruz and, you know, for coach uh, Tommy Cortez. It doesn't uh, start off easy for them as they're going to be uh, hosting Gilbert Christian, who uh, finished nine and three last year. And as uh, we stated before, uh, they lost uh, to Morenci 35 to 23 in the uh, second round of the 2A playoffs. So how do you uh, see this one playing out uh, for the uh, Dust Devils in week one? This one I see pretty much as an opening test for the Dust Devils. This isn't going to be a, a pretty one by any means. This is a game where Gilbert Christian comes in and kind of demolishes Santa Cruz. It, it won't take their fight away by any means, but this will be one of those games where Santa Cruz is definitely looked at as the underdog and Gilbert Christian is going to show them exactly why. I'll have to side with you. I do think uh, Gilbert Christian will come in and uh, take care of business week one. Like I said, uh, Santa Cruz is a very young uh, team. Uh, they're going to be having their quarterback, uh, Max Rodriguez. I believe uh, last time we heard, but this was under Coach uh, Fitz, so uh, things might have changed. Uh, but we were uh, getting uh, intentions that he was going to be moving to running back. And so now you have a, a whole new system coming in and i think it's just going to take a few games to get adjusted to you know a lot of those guys are playing with their third coach in three years so it's definitely going to have some effect and moving into uh week two uh they're going to be hosting uh the bisbee pumas even though uh both teams are uh been in the 2a for quite some time now uh it's going to be the first matchup between both teams since 2017 uh which santa cruz uh took the victory uh, uh bisbee ended up finishing uh four and six uh last year uh how do you see santa cruz faring against them i actually have the dust devils turning around their fortunes from the first game and taking this one against the pumas bisbee as as we've seen in the past has kind of struggled a lot and i feel like this will be the game that santa cruz will need to help overcome their negative uh experience that they're going to have whenever they play Gilbert Christian in week one. Yeah, look at us, man. We're two for two so far. I'm actually taking uh, Santa Cruz to uh, knock off Bisbee as well. Um, I think that even though Santa Cruz is fairly young, they always seem to have the pieces to plug right in and get the job done. And I do think that they'll do that against the Pumas. But it's the next week that it can get a little dicey. Yeah, they'll, even though they'll be playing their third home game in a row Santa Cruz has to uh host the Coolidge Bears um you all know uh, what our decision was uh when we did the the Bears segment and we were both uh riding uh with the Bears to win that one could be a, a little bit less closer than it was last year last year you know was a dog fight to the very end of the game uh I think with the experience uh Coolidge has coming back this year uh they uh easily uh win against uh the Dust Devils yeah, if you go back even to their COVID year, that year when the Dust Devils ended up winning the two-way state championship, they ended up beating Coolidge that year, 42-18. to 18. So that, that wasn't really anything that you could have expected when you go into last year's game where they ended up losing to Coolidge 13-6. to 6. And like you said, it was a dogfight. At the end of the, the match, there, you know, there was some tears shed on, on the losing end, but it was, it was a, a really tough game. And I even think even with it being a home game for the Dust Devils, I don't think they'll be able to withstand that offensive attack from Coach Shanks and young Gianni Mascalino. Going into week four, uh, there's a chance for 
the Dust Devils to uh, get things uh, back on track as they're going to be traveling to North Point, who finished two and seven last year. A very low bottom end team uh, in two A and uh, across the state. Uh, it's a game that I'm actually thinking that the Dust Devils are going to take. What about yourself? No, I agree with you. This is going to be the like I said, it's going to be an up and down season for the the Dust Devils, but I have them taking this one as well. Well, let's keep things going. Uh, we're in a groove now. Uh, next up uh, for the Dust Devils is going to be Antelope Union, who uh, finished 6-4 and four last year. Uh, the first matchup between uh, both teams since 2015 when Santa Cruz uh, beat them 68-0. to zero. Do you think uh, Santa Cruz can handle Antelope this coming year? I do. I have Santa Cruz doing exactly that and handling Antelope by a pretty fair margin. It's definitely uh, one that I can see Santa Cruz possibly sneaking away. Um, but I am going to give, just based on the youth of Santa Cruz, I am going to give the edge to Antelope Union uh, and to knock uh, off uh, the Dust Devils. But I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong on this decision and Santa Cruz does pull it off. But I am going to give the edge to Antelope. Well, it was nice riding the Santa Cruz bandwagon with you for a little bit. Maybe I'll pick you up somewhere later down in like maybe week nine. Yeah, maybe, maybe that that might work there. Uh, so moving on, uh, they're going to be uh, traveling to Chandler Prep. And so Chandler Prep finished last season six and four as well. A very competitive team. Uh, and it's a team that I think is going to be a little bit too much for the Dust Devils. So I'm going to give the uh, win to Chandler Prep. See, this is why we kind of split on that last game because now, now hear me out. I saw you, you know, readjust your seating, but hear me out. I think that the game that they played the week prior against Antelope is going to give them that type of, I don't know, that type of resilient win that you you would expect to try to take out a team like Chandler Prep. Now, it's not going to be like where they they completely demolish them, but it's going to be a game that's going to be really close. And, you know, that Saturday morning when we wake up and I'm like, bro, you see that score? This is why you're going to have your hair dyed. I don't know. I just don't see it uh, happening that way, though, because Chandler Prep, three out of their four losses were to playoff teams, one of them being to uh, a very good River Valley team. But they're a team that will demolish mid-level teams. And, you know, they did that against NFL Yet, Heritage, Tombstone and Tonopah Valley, just to name a couple of them. And, you know, those are lower end teams. So not saying that Santa Cruz is by any means at that level. I th I do hold them up a little bit higher. I just think that Chandler Prep comes to play game in and game out. And I think that they might edge out Santa Cruz in this one. But like you said, it's going to be one that may may or may not break me when it comes to the end of it. I, I think it definitely is going to break you. Well, we'll see because I'm sure we're going to be getting back on the same track with this next game as they will be traveling to ALA Anthem South to take on the Titans. And we both have Santa Cruz winning that game uh, as I got Anthem South going 0-10 and, and you got them uh, only beating the Sabercats. So Santa Cruz uh, back in the win column on this one. But what about uh, the next week against Arete Prep? Now, see, when they take on Arete Prep, this is going to be a game where they end up showing them who's boss and kind of get back into, you know, the winning swing of things. Well, I actually uh, agree with you on this one. Uh, I got them winning their second game in the row. Arete Prep, a four and six team. I don't feel that 
you know, they're quite at the level of Santa Cruz yet. I still think they're a below uh, 500 team and they'll be like that again this year. But uh, Santa Cruz uh, picking up two crucial wins and they're trajecting into somewhere I didn't have them when we did our preseason power rankings. You know, before I studied all of these teams, I didn't have them winning this this many games at this point in the season. So I did. Well, we'll see at the end of the year. But uh, I have them going for their third straight game as they're going to be taking on San Pasqual, which is based out of Winter Haven, California. They are still technically an Arizona team uh, and play under the AIA as well. But uh, San Pasqual, uh, one of the worst teams in the state of Arizona, uh, they finished 0-5 last year. Can we say that if they're not in the state of Arizona? Or can we say... The worst team that plays in the state of Arizona. Well, either way, they're still the worst team, right? You're right. So, you know, like like I said, I think if I'm correct, they might be like the last team ranked in the state of Arizona. Like, no jokes. So that like that's how bad they are. So I have Santa Cruz actually blowing them out, uh, winning their third game in a row. What about yourself? I do, too. I have them taking that one by a landslide. There's no way that the San Pasqual Valley Warriors are going to be able to hold off the Dust Devils in this game. And to finally wrap up the uh, Dust Devil season, they will be hosting the uh, Sequoia Pathway Pumas, what is turning into an amazing rivalry uh, between uh, both schools. This one, I'm going to actually let you go first. Now, we had the opportunity to go to the Pinal County 1 versus 1 that was held by Coach Swerve and the Gunslingers QB Academy. And being there, I got a lot of insight into what Sequoia Pathway will be bringing. And I even felt this way even before the matchup. And even when I was doing my preseason rankings, if you go back to it, I actually had Sequoia Pathway just one step ahead of Santa Cruz. And if you if you try to translate that into the game, that's exactly what they're going to be. They're going to be one step ahead of the Dust Devils. Now, last season when they played, there was a lot of trickery. They, uh, they kind of came off with a, a whole lot of distractions for the uh, Dust Devils. And if things play out the same way this year, I think it'll be no different. They will find a different target on the opposing team, try to expose them, but they need to keep that focus and they don't need the same thing to happen what happened last year where they get kind of overzealous and the Dust Devils come back and make a fool of them. Yeah, it was definitely a very close game last year. Came down to the wire, like you said, and Santa Cruz ultimately took that victory. Uh, You're uh, siding with Sequoia Pathway on this one. I think the amount of talent Sequoia Pathway that I already know is coming back. You know, uh, they got two studs on uh, defense uh, that always make an impact. Um, And you're talking about the Banks bros, of course. Oh, absolutely. And we did get to witness uh, a couple of uh, their offensive weapons that are going to be utilized this year uh, and very talented. So I think just the amount of experience and that I expect uh, Sequoia Pathway to elevate uh, their offense a little bit more than just a run dominant team. That's what's going to give them the edge over uh, Santa Cruz. So I got Sequoia Pathway as well. And to wrap up their season... I have Santa Cruz uh, finishing 5-5. Five and five. What about you? Um, like I said in the beginning of their segment, I have them improving. Improving by a total of two games, I have them going 7-3. and three. Well, let's uh, move right on into uh, the next team we just got done talking about, uh, the Sequoia Pathway Pumas. 
The Pumas uh, finished last year uh, seven and four and were the uh, last two A uh, Rialto Region champions. Uh, they're of course uh, under uh, head coach Coach Donnie. Coach D, as we like to call him, he'll be uh, entering his fourth season uh, as the Pumas head coach and is 20 and six in three seasons. So he's definitely done a tremendous job uh, with the Pumas. And I know they got way more expectations for themselves uh, coming into this year after uh, losing uh, to Benson in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, that was uh, an all-around embarrassment for them. Uh, Speaking to Coach Donnie after the game, he was not pleased. He knew that the boys could have put up a better fight, and he knew it. But he saw the things that kind of plagued them in previous losses of the season. But I think that with that type of lesson behind him, he'll be able to put forward a better team. And let's go back on them a little bit. If you go back to their COVID season, they were 4-2 and that year. And in the 2A Gila region, they went 2-1. and with their only loss from the region coming from the eventual 2A state champions, Santa Cruz Dust Devils. If you go into last year, they beat teams like Arete Prep 42-40, Highland Prep 62-16, Bisbee 30-22, and ALA Ironwood 33-8. Now their losses came from teams like Morenci, Arizona Lutheran, Santa Cruz, and Benson in the playoffs that uh, they ended up losing 49-7. Like I said, it, it was... A really, really bad game for them. So moving into uh, week one of their season, uh, they're going to be taking on Trivium Prep. Uh, this will be the first time uh, both teams have played each other. Uh, Trivium Prep uh, finished 5-5 five and five last year, but snuck into uh, the playoffs, losing in the first round to uh, Arizona Lutheran 61-20. to 20. They were actually the number 15 seed uh, going into that tournament. How do you see uh, this one uh, faring for the Pumas? I have the Pumas taking this one pretty easily. I think that even though Trivium Prep was a playoff team, like you said, they were the 15th seed, which means that they barely made it in. And that's no disrespect to them, but I feel like that offensive attack of the Pumas that we know that's coming, they're not going to hold that, bro. They're not going to hold them. Oh, no doubt. I think uh, that especially being week one and uh, Coach uh, Donnie's going to want to put put his foot down uh, early on in the season and let everybody know what the Pumas have coming this year. So don't look for him to uh, take it easy on anybody by any means this year. And I think that when they open up against Trivium Prep, I think it's going to be a good shootout game. I think it'll be uh, pretty close for uh, being a week one game, but not too close. I say by two touchdowns or more that uh, Sequoia is going to take care of uh, Trivium Prep. Now moving into uh, week two, they're going to be taking on Tombstone at home. Uh, Tombstone uh, finished three and seven last year. And uh, Sequoia Pathway uh, beat Tombstone uh, two years ago uh, back in 2020, 55 to zero. And I don't see that differing this year as I got uh, Sequoia Pathway taking that one as well. No, I got to give you the nod on that one, too, because there's no way that Tombstone takes that drive from way deep down in southern Arizona and comes up into Maricopa and has any chance against the Pumas. Um one thing that we did talk about last Friday at the uh, Pinal County one versus one, we got to talk a little bit to their young lefty quarterback who's going to be taking over this year in young Mr. Vinny Sanchez. And that boy is coming for the record. He made it very clear that this season is going to be cutthroat for him. He wants records and he wants to show that Sequoia pathway deserves exactly what they preach. And that is respect. Oh, no doubt. I I think Vinny's going to do an excellent job. And, uh, you know, he can definitely sling it across. Uh, We definitely saw that 
uh, the other day at the um, one versus one uh, tournament. And, you know, this could be the game that he he definitely goes off and uh, has a big game. But I see that all around uh, for every player on the Pumas. Uh, but let's continue on into week three. They're going to be uh, traveling to uh, Wilcox and taking on the Cowboys, who finished eight and three last season, losing to uh, Parker in the second round, 36 to 22. Definitely a, a tough game. Uh, for Sequoia, especially early on in this season. Just a little bit about Wilcox uh, and what they did last year. Their two uh, losses, well, I should say uh, three losses, uh, came to uh, playoff teams, but everybody else, they pretty, besides Tankaverde beating them 17-0, to uh, they beat the brakes off of everybody else. So definitely not a slouch. I know uh, Coach D is going to definitely have this one circled on his calendar how do you see it uh, faring uh, for the Pumas? Oh, dude, I thought that you were going to tell me your your results first. Oh, man, okay. I'm sorry, Coach D. But like Daniel said, you're going to have that, that game circled on your calendar. But this is going to be one that I feel is going to be a heartbreaker, bro. And, and, and ma- you can beat me up in the comments. You, you, can, you can text me. You can do whatever. But this is going to be a tough game, bro. I feel like, you know, the the kind of celebration that you're going to put forward after you beat Tombstone is going to be a little too much. Maybe if you beat Tombstone and are able to to keep that focus, maybe the travel to Wilcox won't be so bad. Maybe maybe something can happen along that ride where you'll be able to to talk up your team and and they can overcome the Cowboys, but if that doesn't happen, I'm sorry. I have the Cowboys winning this one. Uh yeah, it's not going to be a a very happy uh group of guys right now uh because i definitely have to agree with you i'm gonna side with wilcox uh they both did play benson last year uh wilcox actually got shut out 35 to 0 but i thought that i thought that in the first round of the playoffs uh wilcox looked pretty good uh, against holbrook uh they beat him 42 to 32 um it's just i have to give them that edge uh it is a long traveled game but i do think that it's going to come down to about one touchdown. It's going to be, I think, a dogfight for the ages. I mean, if it wasn't so far, I might even say, hey, let's go travel down to check out that game. It's going to be a game where I could possibly see these two teams playing each other uh, later on in the playoffs. All right. So moving on into uh, week four, uh, they'll be taking on a a familiar team we've talked about uh, numerous times in Chandler Prep. Um, Again, Chandler Prep is a team that's uh, six and four. Uh, These two teams haven't played each other since 2020, uh, which Sequoia uh, Pathway uh, took home the victory 24 to 22. Do you see them uh, winning this one? I do. This is going to be a game that Sequoia Pathway needs to bounce back if they do in fact lose but if they if if for some reason they do happen to beat Wilcox then I don't feel that the game against Chandler Prep is going to be any type of challenge but only if they lose that game to Wilcox I see that testing their their mental strength no most definitely I uh, 100% agree with you I think that this will be a good bounce back game uh, for the Pumas and uh, I do see them uh, winning uh, pretty decisively, not necessarily a blowout, but a good, comfortable win uh, to bounce back against a tough loss against Wilcox. So we'll see uh, what happens uh, with that game. Moving on into week five, as they're going to be traveling to Arete Prep, a team that they did play uh, last year and won uh, 42 to 40. 
Uh, how do you see that one uh, faring for the Pumas? I see this one going to the Pumas again, but I don't think that this game will be as close as it was last year. I feel like they'll be able to pull away from them and stay away from them in, in order to win. Yeah, I think uh, that was the second game of the season that uh, Sequoia uh, did play Arete Prep, and uh, they were just coming off the uh, loss to Marenzi. And I think that they continue uh, their trend. Uh, I definitely agree with you and say that they do uh, beat them a little bit more decisively this year. But uh, like I always say about Rete Prep, they're very surprising because they're so unpredictable. You never know which team you're going to get with them. But like I said, I have no doubt that uh, Coach Donnie and the Pumas are going to uh, put it to a Rete Prep. No, I do too. Good luck, Pumas. And, and I know that you will have no troubles against the box of chocolates that is a Rete Prep. Moving into uh, week six, uh, they're going to be playing another team we've uh, heard quite a bit, uh, Antelope Union. Uh, six and four team. They are going to be hosting uh, Antelope. So I am going to give the edge uh, to the Pumas. I think after that loss to Wilcox, it's just going to ignite a fire in them, and I can see them getting their third win in a row uh, against uh, Antelope, and I think they're going to beat them uh, pretty decisively as well. No, I do too. There's no there's no way that I could have Santa Cruz beating Antelope and having Antelope beating Sequoia Pathway. There's, there's just no way Sequoia Pathway wins. All right, and uh, moving into week seven, they will be uh, hosting uh, ALA Anthem South. Uh, we both uh, picked uh, Sequoia to win that one, so we won't dive too much into that. Uh, but uh, another big win, it'll be four in a row uh, for Sequoia as they go in to take on San Pasqual. Do I even really need to uh, talk about that one that much, or are we both unanimous on that one? Yeah, like you touched on earlier, San Pasqual is one of the worst teams to play in this state. And one thing that we know about Sequoia Pathways MO is they love taking advantage of those teams that have those kind of struggles. And this is going to be one of those games where Coach Downing is going to be sitting there with his arm crossed with, you know, with his grill shining because, you know, his boys are going to take it to him. Yeah, and uh, uh, when they played a team like that uh, last year, we had a... Uh witness their quarterback set the uh, state record and this could be a a game where their new quarterback could possibly uh, have a chance at that record as well so we'll see because like I said it's not going to be close Um, Sequoia is just way too much for a a team like San Pasqual so I'm not going to even touch on it anymore I think that coming into week nine it's going to be another test for the Pumas as they will be hosting Gilbert Christian, who, as we just stated uh, earlier uh, during the Santa Cruz segment, finished nine and three and lost to uh, Marenzi in the uh, second round of the playoffs. How do you see this one faring for the Pumas? This one is going to be one of those those scratch and claw games. This is where you're going to see the fight of the Pumas. And I know that you put me on the spot first and I have to be straight up. The Pumas are going to win this one. It's not going to be a close one by any means. Like I said, it's going to be a tooth and nail game. This is going to be one where that the ending is going to be so sweet because either they're going to be coming from behind or they're going to be holding them in order to win. I thought about this one uh, quite a bit, you know, just like I did the Wilcox game. And I mean, it, I think it's going to come down to who's honestly the healthiest team at this point. Yeah. Uh, but if I had to go and both teams come in healthy, I'm going to give the edge to Gilbert Christian. 
Uh, to me, uh, they played a, a couple of similar teams uh, last year, and Gilbert Christian took it to them. But like I said, last year's last year. So if Gilbert Christian brings back uh, some of the talent that they had last year, I'm going to give the edge to them. Um, but another game where I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Sequoia Pathway takes it to them, and you know it's going to come down uh, to the wire. To me, uh, I think that this one will be like the Santa Cruz game uh, last year where if Sequoia uh, can limit those mistakes and and you know I hope that they don't have any the whole game but if they can uh limit their mistakes uh look out and they might actually steal this one all right well it's good to see that you know we did have a little bit of uh separation between our picks in this one but uh let's let's move on well to wrap up the season uh you know that they're going to be visiting the Santa Cruz Dust Devils uh we both picked uh Sequoia Pathway to win that game and for me uh they're gonna finish eight and two on the season uh I believe you have them at nine and one correct yes I do have Sequoia Pathway at nine and one and it's gonna be really tough for them in the 2A Gila region in the 2A Gila region this year um but they have the opportunity of being region champs one more time Oh, yeah, I I definitely don't uh, doubt that one. Yeah, they definitely have a a great opportunity. um, Being that I have Gilbert Christian winning that one, I ultimately would be giving them the uh, region championship, but would not be surprised if uh, at the end of the season I see uh, Sequoia Pathway at 9-1 and or even undefeated at 10-0 and to uh, go into the playoffs. Yeah, they very well could be undefeated. I just couldn't. I couldn't do that to people and let people see that I have the gall to give three teams undefeated seasons early in the summer. Come on, guys. Well, moving into our last and final team, we have the Vista Grande Spartans. So with the Spartans, uh, they finished uh, with their first winning record in quite some time uh, as they finished uh, five and four uh, for the second winning record in school history. And uh, they'll be uh, under uh, coach uh, John Roberts, who's going to be in his third season as the Spartans head coach and is six and 10 in two seasons. The Spartans uh, lost a a few big pieces uh, last year, but they definitely had a lot to look forward to this coming year. What what do you have uh, for the Spartans uh, these past couple of seasons? All right, looking back, if you go back to their COVID year, they went one and six. And in the 4A Copper Sky region, they went 0 and 1. Their lone win came against Shadow Mountain, who they beat 28 to 21. And their losses that year came from St. Mary's 33 to 12, CG 62 to 7, Lake Havasu put it on them 64 to 22. And their section game, the only one that they had that year against Washington, they dropped that one 44 to 28. Now go back into last year. Last year they were in the 4A Copper Sky region as well. And in that region, they went two and two. And ultimately, their season ended 5-4, and four, like you said. Their main wins came against teams like Choya, who they beat 63-12, to 12, Shadow Mountain, 70-24, to 24, the Yuma Criminals, who they beat 28-20, to 20, shout out them Criminals, and the Washington Rams, they beat them 46-12. to 12. Now, their losses came against the Canyon View Jaguars, who shut them out by 34-0, to zero. Sierra Linda beat them 52-21, to 21. Santan Foothills beat them 55-18, to 18. And Carl Hayden Community beat them 47-34. to Now, this year, they're going to play in the 4A Kino region. And I feel like that will be a definite good thing for them this season. It's definitely going to be a, a fun region to follow. They have a, some good talent in there. Uh, beatable talent, but 
still some teams that will definitely um, be put on notice by the uh, 4A uh, division. Uh, just to name a couple, I mean, Pueblo, Michael Mountain, uh, Canyon de Oro, even uh, Empire and Douglas, you know, just to see this whole new region is going to be a lot of fun. So the Spartans uh, are going to open up uh, week one against Marcos Deniza. It's going to be up at uh, NAU uh, Stadium on uh, Saturday, September 3rd. So if you go to your games on Friday and want to take a little drive up north, me and you are already talking about possibly attending that game. So we'll see uh, how this uh, gas prices look in the coming months. But, you know, definitely a, a good game uh, to go and try to check out. It's going to be uh, the first game uh, between uh, both teams. And remember, uh, Marcos Denise, uh, uh finished four and six last year. I'll, I'll go first this time. I feel like I've been having you uh, go first uh, quite a bit. Uh, I'm going to take Vista Grande to uh, get an opening season win. And I think that being on a neutral side, uh, they're going to take in uh, what they did last year and start off on the right foot, knocking off uh, Marcos Deniza. No, I... I, too, have the Spartans overthrowing the Padres in this game. I, I feel like the field will not have anything to do with it. I'm, I'm pretty sure it would be a, a lot better of a facility that you know both teams are used to. But in the end, Vista Grande will have everything they need to take out the Padres. So moving into uh, week two, they're going to be taking on the Florence Gophers. It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, me and you are actually on opposite ends of this game as you're taking Florence I'm taking Vista Grande, definitely a game that's circled as a possible game of the week. Most likely we're going to be there, but we're going to be rooting for different teams. Mm -hmm. So I won't uh, go into uh, more detail about that one. I think uh, everybody got enough of uh, that one during the Florence segment. Now we move into uh, week three as they'll travel to Alhambra uh, to take on a one and nine team who struggled very bad last year. Um, I got the uh, Spartans uh, taking this one pretty easily. Would you agree? No, this is going to be like one of those old-timey things in the stadium or the Coliseum. The Spartans are going to go in there and just tame those Lions. Yeah, and I see it uh, continuing that way into week four as they uh, travel to Rio Rico. It's a game that is going to be uh, quite a bit of a drive, but Rio Rico was a team last year that really struggled they finished 0-8 last season, and I see the uh, Spartans, you know, and it all comes down to with me with the Spartans is consistency. Away from the Florence game, which mean you have different, there is no better way to start off your season than these four or five games that we're going to mention right now. But do they have the consistency to do it? Mm -hmm. What is your take against Rio Rico? Well, one thing that we've learned about Rio Rico from our times playing and even now is that they're not really a good team. And that's going to show its face when the Spartans get in their face and eventually take them down. And even though Rio Rico was an 0-8 team, remember there was a winless team that we thought uh, Vista should have taken care of pretty decisively. I just hope that by now, in four games in, that they do have that consistency handled and, you know, they're taking care of every team. But I don't see the them having any issues with Rio Rico as well as their week five matchup against Choya. So uh, Choya finished one and eight last year. Another team that struggles gives up a lot of points. And, you know, it's just not a very good team at the moment. 
And so I honestly see the Vista Grande Spartans sitting at 5-0 and to start the season. See, uh, if it wasn't for that Florence game, we would be pretty much on the same page. But I have them going 4-1 and right there. The Chargers, like you said, they, they are one of those teams that sit in the bottom of, of, of our tier system if we were to rank teams. And they're, they're on the come up. But like you said, this isn't going to be the year or the game where they get on track. So moving into uh, week six, uh, they're going to have their first region game. Uh, actually, the remaining schedule will all be region games for the Spartans. So every game at, at this point is very crucial. You know, you for me, go out, dominate five teams, start off five and zero. Now this is the big area of the schedule where it's going to determine if you're going to make it to the playoffs or not. And. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe the Spartans have ever made the playoffs in their school's history. No, they haven't. So it could be the start of something nice. And I feel that this is going to be their first test of the season as they're going to be taking on the Pueblo Warriors who were four and five last year. What is your take on that one? Vista wins. Um, There's nothing that I can see uh, unless Pueblo, you know, comes out the gate strong in the beginning of the season. I don't see any way for them to put away the Spartans or even come away from this game as a surprise victor. There's no chance that the Spartans give this one up. After us talking about them losing to Santan Foothills as many times as we have, I'm pretty sure they're not going to want to drop the ball this season. I know there's there's a man uh, down south who would disagree with us, and that's because we're coming into uh, the heart of his area. But I do give the edge to the Vista Grande Spartans. And it's just been this birdie in my ear that is saying that the Spartans look out for them because I have them starting off at six and zero. But from what I've been hearing is that they're not a team to sleep on this year. And I hope it's true. And I still think that they continue that that consistency and start off six and zero. But in week seven, they take on the Empire Ravens, who finished five and six last year. Do you think that they'll have the edge against the Ravens? I'm going to have to side with Vista Grande on this one. I don't think that the, the Ravens will be able to withhold them. It's going to be a really strong test to see how they will fare in this region. But I think the way they're starting off these region games are going to be pretty good for them as far as carrying momentum throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, no doubt. I'll definitely have to side with you on that one. And, you know, Empire, they play a a good amount of tough teams, especially out in, uh, you know, southern Arizona. You know, they lost to teams like Safford, Flowing Wells, Sierra Linda, Catalina Foothills, and uh, always tough uh, Sunny Slope team. But uh, some of their wins were not that impressive. I guess you would say, I mean, they did knock off uh, Rio Rico, Choya, and Sawarita, which I think are lower end teams, and also beat uh, Amphitheater and Douglas, who, you know, can be about around 500 team uh, every other season. But to me, their wins weren't that impressive. So moving into uh, week eight, a very big game against Canyon del Oro, another game we have uh, circled on the calendar as a possible game of the week. How do you see uh, the Spartans faring with uh, Canyon del Oro? I feel like the Dorados will present a speed bump for the Spartans in this game. Actually, this one will will not get too out of hand, but this will be one of those losses where it's going to be tough. Um, it will be a home game, but regardless of of how you know the chips fall, 
I, I don't see the Spartans being able to stop the Dorados. I'll definitely uh, have to agree with you on this one. Uh, I think that this is where the Spartans' uh, win streak uh, gets snapped. It's just uh, Canyon Doro is going to be bringing back a lot of big pieces uh, to uh, help with uh, a playoff run uh, this year. And I know that they're expecting to go far, especially in a revamped uh, 4A uh, division. And moving on to uh, Week 9, they're going to be taking on a team that we learned a little bit about last year in uh, Micah Mountain. Uh, they finished 3-3 three and three, uh, last year. Will be the uh, first game for both teams. I think it's going to be another close game here. Um, I'm actually going to give the edge to Micah Mountain. I think that they're a team that is finally, like I said, with all these new schools around that third year, I know, la- I know last year was their first uh, varsity year, but I can see them uh, possibly taking that next step up to be a playoff contender in the uh, 4A division. Where is uh, your decision line? No, I recognize where you're coming from. I have the Thunderbolts edging out the Spartans in this one too. Um, and these last two games, um, Cayendo Oro and Micah Mountain, it was really tough to try to, to see an outcome where Vista would be the winner because of just how tough these two teams are. But things get better for them to close out the season, I'll say. Oh, without a doubt, uh, they're going to be finishing up their season against Douglas, uh, who finished last year at 2-6. and Uh, We got to see Douglas play Casa Grande last year. Wasn't even close. Um, I do see this game not being so much of a blowout, but where are you standing on this one? Well, last year when Casa Grande played Douglas, I know that... That was a game where we got our varsity blues. Um, Nick and I was actually able to put, you know, go into the backfield and run a touchdown in. And I felt like that spoke volumes about how, now I'm sorry, Douglas, but just how poorly your team is managed. And because of, I know one, you know, one incident like that is, is you know, pretty tough to, to be the be all say all for a team. But I feel like this, that's going to be a big reason why Vista Grande just goes in there and just whoops you. All right. So to close out our final uh, win and loss projections, I have uh, Vista Grande finishing the season at eight and two and making the playoffs for the first time in school history. Where do you got them sitting? I have them sitting seven and three. So uh, let's recap uh, all 13 teams now that we have finally reached the end of our win and loss predictions. Uh, so I'm going to name name the team. Go ahead and uh, spit out their record, uh, which you have for them. So that way we have it set in stone and we'll be ready uh, for when August comes around and to see who's going to be getting some hair dyed. So uh, to start off, ALA uh, Anthem South, I had them uh, going 0-10. I got them going two and eight. Please beat Aretha Prep. <laughs> uh, ALA Ironwood. I have them going uh, four and six, and you got them going six and four. Apache Junction. Uh, I have them uh, going eight and two, and I believe I you, do have them eight and two too. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, both of us got them going eight and two. Uh, Casa Grande. Uh, I have the defending four A champions finishing at seven and three in their first season at five A. What do you got them for? I have them going eight and two in their first season of five A. And the Combs Coyotes, I have them finishing at five and five, and you got them going five and five as well. Uh, the Coolidge Bears, I have them finishing at 
eight and two, and one of your two undefeated teams. You have them going ten and zero, correct? Yes, I do. All right, the Florence Gophers. I have them finishing at six and four, and you have them at seven and three. Correct. The Maricopa Rams are going to be uh, finishing four and six for me, and you have them going. One and nine. The big gap between us that's going to decide this one. All right. The Post and Butte Broncos, another team we had the same. We both have them going 10 and 0 uh, this year. Santan Foothills, I have them going uh, 2 and 8. And surprisingly, you have them going 1 and 9 again. Oh, you know what? Let me correct that. I had them going 3 and 7, and you had them going uh, 1 and 9. So Mm -hmm. another one that's a couple of games off here and there. The Santa Cruz uh, Dust Devils. I have them finishing at five and five. I have them going seven and three, improving by two games. The Sequoia Pathway Pumas. Uh, I have them going eight and two, and you have them going nine and one. And uh, of course, uh, to wrap it up, uh, I have the Vista Grande Spartans going eight and two, and you have them going seven and three. Well, that will do it for the thirteen teams in Pinal County that are going to be representing this county uh this year in football um i mean best of luck to these uh groups i i hope some of these records uh are a little bit better than what we projected ultimately because at the end of the day we're here to support all these teams and we want nothing but the best for them but this was just uh a way to see where they all stack i think we both uh, made our points and it's gonna be a fun season uh, to uh, witness this year. Uh, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, it was fun to go back and to to get a lot more insight than what we had last year. One thing that's gonna be not fun is being wrong. And and one thing that we noticed in doing our um, picks separately is that we don't think alike at all. Like we have different thought processes and how we like to do our wins and losses and and how we you know rank you know teams that they played and and everything and sometimes it goes really down to the wire um i I look forward to the end of the season i know like i said and i and and i'm saying this with a straight face i know that you are gonna look stunning in whatever two tones you're that's gonna be in your head but i'm gonna have to take a photo of you when you do have your hair uh totally blonde because it's going to look like somebody took a photo and didn't turn it negatively. <laughs> as dark as my skin is, you know, for being uh, Mexican, I'm literally going to look like Carlton uh, that night. He went trick-or-treating on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's what I'm going to look like. So let's do that. Hopefully it's a little, I know <laughs> we're going to be a little bit further away from Halloween, but maybe that's something that we can incorporate for then. Hey, well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, like you said, it's been fun. Um, one, one of the things I wanted to uh, wrap up on is on uh, on Wednesday, I asked you uh, to uh, make a post on our story, you know, just kind of throwing the uh, podcast out there of what it sounds like in real time. And uh, of course, uh, you brought up a certain game that I had uh, Coolidge losing, uh, which was to Thatcher. And boy, let me tell you, uh, within minutes of you posting that, uh, I was getting a, a couple of notifications that were like, yeah, this guy, you know, he's tripping, you know, <laughs> we ain't losing. Um, but there's one, uh, but I think what made it 
so cool is uh so on wednesday you you guys are gonna see uh some of these photos uh later on uh in you know possibly uh by this weekend but uh i went and uh did the uh first uh set of headshots uh for uh the bears uh that coach uh shanks uh had at uh their camp uh and sure enough uh one of the comments came for from one of the players uh for coolidge uh specifically uh jordan johnson and yes i will name drop him so he knows uh <laughs> next time i see him he can smile and joke around with me about this but i thought the coolest thing was that once that kind of started spreading around around uh the Coolidge locker room it got back to coach Shanks he didn't tell them that I was coming to take those pictures on Wednesday so the reaction when I walked through that door oh man I I thought I was gonna get killed over there but it was all in good fun you know uh Jordan had to uh literally hey that's the guy that says we're gonna lose and you know so I want to thank you for that one uh for putting me on the spot it was it was a lot of fun but I like joking around with those guys and having a good time and it was uh definitely uh good to catch up with coach Shanks but other than that man it, it was a fun week uh we covered 13 teams in three days the most we've released uh of podcast episodes especially in a month let alone a week so uh was a challenge was a lot of fun but like you said we're on both sides of the spectrum when it comes to uh dissecting these teams and we're gonna uh find out uh who uh comes out on top so get to voting uh for your school's hair color of which you want to see uh loopy wearing at the end of the season but other than that man you got any last words well, um, I know we touched on it a little bit on Monday. One thing I would want to bring up is keep an eye out on our social media pages and, and everything in between because we are going to be releasing our shirts very soon. Now, we have a very limited supply, so it's going to be first come, first serve. And not everybody is going to get a shirt the first time around, but we are going to definitely keep this a thing that's going to be ongoing. And we have a few other projects coming out the pipe as well. So uh, be on the lookout and uh, put in your orders. Uh, as we always say, uh, for every shirt that we sell, $5 is going to be donated to the uh, Letty Cavazos Memorial Scholarship, uh, which is named after my mom. You're not only helping us out, you're also helping uh, put money in uh, a couple of students' pockets uh, for college. And that's the ultimate goal as to why we're doing this. So be on the lookout because it's going to come and it's going to come very fast. But we'll see you guys uh, next time. Take it easy.